0: Welcome back to the Guy Who Knows the Guy podcast. We're so excited to be back with you. And this season, we are counting down to JV Connect, the first of its kind, December 12th, to 14th 2023 this is going to be an incredible dedicated networking event and you are going to want to be part of it and this podcast here to help prepare you to get the most out of this incredible event i'm michael whitehouse the guy who knows a guy and over the next few weeks you're going to get to hear from some of the best people in the industry about networking as well as some solo training from me so be sure to join us on december 12th to 14th for jb connect and now let's get to the interview welcome once again to the guy who knows a guy podcast i'm michael whitehouse the guy who knows a guy and our guest today i'm very excited to have on it is steve sims and i am super excited because a few a couple months ago i was sitting down thinking so who are some of the networking influencers out there and one name that came to mind was bob berg who you heard on the show a few weeks ago and the other name that came to mind was steve sims and now, I've got the second one of those two people, the two biggest networking things I can think of, right in front of me. So let me tell you about him if for some reason you don't know him. Do you know anyone that's worked with Sir Elton John or Elon Musk, sent people down to see the wreck of the Titanic on the seabed, or closed museums in Florence for a private dinner party, and then had Andrea Bocelli serenade them while they ate their pasta? You do now. Quoted as the real-life Wizard of Oz by Forbes and Entrepreneur Magazine, Steve Sims is the best-selling author of Blue Fishing, The Art of Making Things Happen, and Go for Stupid, The Art of Achieving Ridiculous Goals. Sought-after coach, top-rated speaker after keynoting in a variety of networks, groups, associations, as well as the Pentagon and Harvard twice. That's pretty impressive. (laughs) <laughs> Co-founder with his son, Henry, of the leading community for creative disruptors, simsdistillery.com. Welcome to the Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast, Steve Sims. Woo! That's a hell of a lead up. Thank you very much. I don't know how I'm going to keep that up, but I'll try. I, I have faith that you will be able to keep <laughs> that up. I have, have no doubt. So for those who do not know your story about how you got started making yep. these amazing connections, share just a little bit about how you got started doing that.
1: No different to everyone else. I literally just grew up in East London, son of a construction firm. So ended up working in the, in the building trade very early on. But us entrepreneurs, we're kind of built different. So something was in me that was going, is this it? And I've always been a great believer. You need two things in life. You need curiosity and you need aggravation aggravation will cause you to actually do something curiosity will send you down a path to find it but if you're just curious or just aggravated it doesn't work so get those two things married together i had it by the bucket loads when i was young and i just thought to myself we are the combination of the room we're in we all know that now i didn't know it so poetically back then but I just looked around at my bar and it was full of a bunch of broke bikers. And I'm like, well, hang on a minute. No one here is going anywhere. I'm one of them. I need to change my room. So I went out to try and have those conversations and a lot of people call that networking now. And they call that, you know, kind of like getting to know people and you know, the influence, but I wanted to speak to people that were very successful and ask, why are you successful? How do you view relationships? How do you view time management? How do you view culture? And I wanted to have those conversations quite simply. I wanted to podcast before podcasting existed. And so I went out to try and find a way. I left my construction firm and I then got involved in a ton of jobs that I was ill qualified for that made me realize I should not have been there. So I get this education from trying to be in places that didn't work till in the end becoming what god built me for i became the doorman of a nightclub in hong kong and while many people would have gone well you've gone down yes i had i now had a harvard degree in human psychology right in front of me mm-hmm. i was able to see how people with money interacted with each other but more importantly how people have pretended they had money interacting with each other, how people celebrate and how people commiserate. I got to see it all. So I got a great degree in learning how people interacted with each other and then realized the key of all networking that allowed me to go from just being on the peripheral, being on the outside to actually being someone of desire, being someone in the circle that someone didn't want to let go. And I became that person launched me into a a business where I basically launched the world's leading experiential concierge firm. And then obviously writing the two books, Blue Fishing and Go for Stupid to teach others how to do it.
0: I I love so much about that story. And and I think so much is just, well, the the first thing is that one of the, the, the pushbacks I get when I share with people that, you know, anyone can network and there's opportunity out there and, all those principles is, well, that's easy for you to say, because, you know, you got lucky and you went to the right schools, you know, the right people. And, and, you know, it sounds like you didn't go to the right schools to build your network. I mean, you did kind of the school of hard knocks, but it's not like you you didn't go to Harvard as a student and, and meet all the right people who hooked you up with all the right jobs and get lucky. You went out there as the the son of a construction worker and said, no, I'm going to do something better which sounds like something pretty much anyone could have done.
1: Yeah, again, it was that aggravation. It all comes down to what you're willing to settle for. You know, are you willing to settle for your excuses or are you willing to settle for that education? Both of them are going to send you down the same path, but one will stop you short. There's a lot of people that go, as you said, oh, it's easy for you. Oh, you're an extrovert. Oh, you can do it. That's bullshit. You know, I'm big, I'm ugly, I'm crass, I'm inappropriate. But I had a need, and that need was, I need to know how come you're successful and I'm not. And that was the early stage. And introvert, extrovert, those are badges. I had a need. I wasn't willing to settle for my income. I wasn't willing to settle for shitty motorbikes. I wasn't willing to live in a rough neighborhood I wanted more of my life. I had a demand. Hey, if you're an introvert and you're thinking, oh, I can't do those things, trust me, fella. I'm the I'm one of the biggest introverts out there. But I had a need that said, right, if I'm gonna do this, there's gonna be a purpose. And that's all introverts need. Introverts need a reason. Yeah. Why am I doing this? I feel nervous about it. Sure you do, Sonny. But you need to know what the reason is. If I can get in there and I can do that and I can come out with it with this. My house is better, my home is better, my wife's better, my kids are better. Ah, uh, now I've got a reason I just need to do. So introverts, I personally think, make the best networkers mm. in the planet. Um, but it's the need. You've got to have that aggravation. And if you want to kind of like go, well, it's easy for you, then you know, why are you listening to this podcast? You know, <laughs> your your excuses, you're you're just praying that one day your excuses will pay your bar tab. They won't. So, you know, get out of your excuses and start getting on.
0: Yeah, and I, I totally agree with that idea that introverts are better networkers. And I say this mm-hmm. as an extrovert because in, with extroverts, it's it's lower cost for me to just go meet more people. Yeah. So I'm, I'll go to an event and talk to everyone. Whereas an introvert tends to be better at follow-up because you're like, I don't want to have to meet 10 people. Can I meet one person, just have a really good relationship with them? And oh, actually yeah. I'd love you to talk a bit more about that, because I was watching your your talk this morning where where you're talking about the power of, of that that follow-up of sending a nice note or gift or whatnot and, and the leverage of that. So I'd like you to talk about that. And then the other thing I'd like you to talk about is is I often say that I'm better at making connections and providing value early and not so good at keeping track of the details and remembering to send people things. And I have the feeling that you'll probably tell me something about, well, that's that's a bullshit excuse, and you should get over it and do better. So I would love to have you, you chime in on that.
1: Again, it's that introvert thing. The introvert will look for the purpose. You know, you mentioned an extrovert will go along to a networking event, and as long as he's got the eyeballs, and he's the center of attention, and he's getting loads of Focus and chit chats and business cards, he's fine. But an introvert will go along for two conversations. And when they have those conversations, they don't want to have another two conversations the following week. So they will make sure that those conversations turn into something. Again, we work with hopefully minimum output, maximum impact. Hmm. So make sure that everything you do is to the best possible... We don't want to do a turkey shoot. It literally will wear me out. In fact, true story, I had an event, and I've been doing this for years, and I've worked with everyone from Elton, John the Vatican, Elon Musk. You know, I'm pretty successful, pretty well connected. But I went out to an event in Beverly Hills the other day, and this was two weeks ago, and I went to a dinner at the Palms, and we had this meeting, and there was a whole group of people there, and I knew most of them, Most of them knew me and my credentials, so I had the credibility. There was no imposter syndrome, and I chatted with them, and I spoke with them, and we conversed. And then I left the event, walked around the corner to another restaurant, went up at the bar, sat at the bar, and had a drink on my own, just way away from people. Okay, and of course, I could do a really good job of, you know, scaring people away from me. You know, I I look like this. So I'm sitting there with me old fashioned. No one ever sits near me and I can make little notes of who I met that night. That was this was a good chat. That's a great associate, someone that you will bump into and go, hey, Johnny. Hey, Bob. One of those. But then there were a few other people that went, hang on a minute. I can take this deeper. You know, there's a network there that I can help them with. They're doing an event that I should be speaking at. They need a bit of coaching. They need help. I've got some solutions for them. And I made notes. And then with all of those notes, once I'd finished my drink, I go home the following day, I take those notes, and now I turn them into action. Okay, who did I meet last night? Great to meet you, John. All the best. See you again at the next event. Those are the associates. Those are the mm-hmm. little fluff. But then there was being, hey, Great to chat with you yesterday, but I did notice you mentioned this. If this bothers you enough, should we have a call to see how I can help you? Mm. And I will actually put those things in. And there may be someone that you feel as though you want to get into that room, but you haven't displayed the value that you bring yet. So in that situation, maybe send them your book. Maybe, and this is always a good one, send them someone else's book. You see, everyone thinks the author's going to send the author's book. But the amount of times I turn around and I go, hey, I see where you're going. A friend of mine is Cameron Howard, A friend of mine is Jim Quick. A friend of mine is Gary V. I just want you to have that book because this may help you like it helped me. And send them someone else's book because they never expect an author. If an author sends you that book, they're like, well, you know, it hasn't cost you any money because you're the author. You know, but by you sending someone else's book, it shows that you paid attention to that problem. And then you look for the most viable solution to it. And you sent them a gift mm. at minimum. They are, they are just, they're, that they're, they're guaranteed to go. Thanks for the book. You, you know, we only met that. Well, look, you said you had a problem. I've coached people before that have had that problem. And I found that this book actually helped a lot of my clients. Mm -hmm. So if that does it great next time we meet the drinks are on you, but if it just validates and opens you up to what the bigger problem is, that you need some deeper movement on, maybe we should schedule a call. Maybe we should get in touch a bit more. Maybe we should have a one-on-one and you can go into whatever the other reasons are, but You're paying attention. There's the old classic line: "They won't care till you show you care."
0: Hmm.
1: Pay attention.
0: Yeah, that's a really interesting concept. I I I love how you you put that because a lot of the the follow up concepts I hear are more like following up for the sake of following up and sending a card to everyone. And but this is more a matter of deepening the relationship with the specific people, not just everyone you meet and everyone you connect with, but the specific people that. That you want to and 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 clearly you know it sounds like the end result of that is hopefully some of these relationships turn into business relationships, but you're focused on how you can serve them first and then how that may turn into a business and remuneration back
1: well, hope is a really shitty marketing strategy <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, yeah, so I believe that we we surf the waves that we generate mm-hmm. If you go out and you meet 10 people, you need to categorize those 10 people. There may be the first four that just get a little text going, hey, great to meet you last night. Good to know you. Then you may have another three people there that you go, well, I can't really help them, but I do know someone else that can. Hey, I heard what you were saying. I can't help you, but I'd love to introduce you to someone. Would that be acceptable? And then the last ones are the ones that you bring into you and you know you've got to work on. You see, whenever I, I speak on stages all over the planet, and one of the things that I've done in the past is I've gone in and I've done the sequoia tree conversation. Now, you go in there and you go, hey, what's this? And you show a picture of a sequoia tree. Largest tree in the planet. So massive, so strong that they cut a hole in it just so a bus can go through. And so they're all looking at these amazing pictures up on stage of these bloody great sequoia trees. And then you go and watch this, and there's a seed on there. And I will often go out and I will give people packs of sequoia tr- uh, seeds. Okay, and I'll be like, there you go. There's a sequoia seed. The largest tree in the planet comes from what's in your hand. In fact, in your hand you've got hundreds of those seeds, and you can still hold a hundred of those potential trees with your fist tight. But what's the difference between what you've got in your hand and this and its attention? Mm. You see, when you get in a sequoia seed, you have to make sure that it's planted in the right soil. You need to make, make attention, pay attention to its location. And you need to make sure the location is the best one to allow that seed its full ability to grow. Okay, it's no good having a a business conversation with a new new recruit you've just met in a strip joint. You know, it's just location. So you make sure that sequoia seed is planted in a location that's going to be fertile and going to pay attention to its needs. And then you nurture it and you protect it and you pay attention to it and you revisit it. And then it breaks soil as a tiny little leaf. Now you've got to make sure your dog doesn't crap on it or dig it up. So again, you protect it, you focus on it, you pay attention to it, you nurture it, you weed it, you feed it with all the right vitamins it needs. You pay attention. When it becomes solid, your dog can't do anything to it. And it is indestructible. But all of the effort goes into the beginning. Mm-hmm. And the trouble is with relationships, people go, well, I met you six months ago. Hey, Steve, remember me? Of course they don't freaking remember you. You've done no paying of attention. You haven't seeded. You haven't paid attention. You haven't nurtured. So if you want Sequoia trees of relationships to be in your Rolodex or iPhone, you've got to pay attention to the beginning, not the latter part of the year, or just thinking that by shoving up a hand and going, Hey, Steve, that they're going to remember you. You've got to be the one that puts all the attention in.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's certainly crucial. You can't just meet someone and be like, I've been thinking about what I want from you. So clearly you've been thinking about me. Yeah. That's the eye game. Yeah. (laughs) And so, so I guess my question, so so one thing I, I focus on being a ADHD extrovert is knowing that I'm not good at the, the process of remembering, you know, a month later, did I send them something or did I send them a book? That I always try to provide value early. So when I meet someone, I'm I'm listening for who can I introduce them to, who's a good connection I can make for them, what's something I can do upfront, and then where possible providing value because I often don't know what I want some, from someone. So and frankly, it's easier to think about what you need than what I need because I need clarity in my business and focus and all that stuff to know what I want. But I can listen for what you need, and so so John, you know, I try to do that. Up front, but I'm I'm less good at the remembering someone three months later when I'm on a plane to to send them a you know to send them something. So, do you have like a process for keeping track of them? Because I imagine your Rolodex is substantial. It is, and once the
1: one. Let's go back to the sequoia tree. Mm-hmm. Once the tree is fully go uh, fully grown, it needs no watering. It needs no weeding. It's looking after itself. As long as you've got that strong relationship as long as you revisit it every two to three years, it's still good, Mm. you know, but you've got to pay attention and move with purpose. So I will add, and my son's a, you know, like a very nerdy CRM guy and he does all of these kind of things. But me, I'll open up an Excel spreadsheet and I will put the people in there that I've met. And then I will put in there one week, three weeks, five weeks. And then I will actually go into my calendar and I will just put a time in there. And when I've spoken to you, I'll then get into my calendar and I will fast forward six months, put another calendar reminder in there to catch up with you. And I'll go, oh, don't forget to ask about the dog called Judy, you know. So in six months time, I'll phone you up and I'll be like, hey, just one Michael. Hey, how's Judy? And people are like, whoa, you, you remember the dog? you know, and you do those kind of things another way. And I've got a couple of little cheats here and I'll give you one, one good cheat. There's a lot of times that we forget to stay in contact with people and we let it, we let it kind of kite off. Mm-hmm. But One of the things I like to do. And again, these are not for associates. These are not for buddy buddies. These are for people that you really want to show care to keep in your circle. Okay. I subscribe them to magazines or subscription services. Hmm. Okay. Now, subscription services and magazines, especially magazines. Magazines are going bankrupt on a daily basis, okay? You can buy a year's publication for, for like $18 now, you know? You can't buy a couple of decent cocktails for 18 bucks. But I can actually meet you. We can talk about, oh, your are impending restoring of your house and then I go well once you've done the house well oh then I'm gonna work on the garden yeah oh, great you know and, oh yeah but then I'm planning a trip in Italy but I don't know what I'm gonna do you've got a house you've got gardening you've got Italy so you look up magazines for like garden restoration or garden design or first time in Italy or you know beautiful you know travel spots in Italy and you go on and you subscribe them to that magazine And then you send them a little note and you go, Hey, thanks for last night. I really enjoyed it. You mentioned about the restoration of your house and then you had to focus on the garden. By the way, I've just set you up for a subscription for a year with this magazine. I hope it helps. Now, magazines go out quarterly. Okay. Sometimes they go out biannually. Okay. The amount of emails and texts I get. that come to me like a few days after the end of first quarter. And I can literally look at the people contacting me and go, well, you got your magazine, you got your magazine, you got your magazine, you got your... And it reminds them because nothing's going on. And then all of a sudden they get that garden and they're like, oh, Steve, how is Steve? Hey, Steve, how are you doing? I'm like, I'm great, thank you. How's that garden getting on for you? Hmm. And it doesn't cost you anything. But now even better... They're contacting you, and all you've done is invested eighteen dollars onto it. Wow, that is. I've had so bigger funny. tabs than that in Starbucks, so yeah. it doesn't that
0: doesn't cost a lot. That's great. I, I see about that when you talk about sending someone else's book too. That you're sort of in their mind co-branding yourself to them. So if I send you, you know, Gary V's book, then every time you see Gary V, you remember, oh, Michael sent me his book, and yep. you probably see Gary V more than you see Michael Whitehouse on the internet.
1: There you go. And you're also, you're also triggering because you're now putting yourself in alignment that you and Gary have the same standard. Mm. See, if I send you my book, and yes, it's an absolutely fantastic book, but if I send you my book, it's my book. But if I send you Gary, Jim's, Tony's, any, any of those kind of books, you go, wow, he sent me that book. He knows these people because sometimes, you know, I will know. And I'll, I'll give you a little, a little trick here. When you go to an event and you see someone speaking, okay, that has a book, go up to them and you go, hey, great conversation. How can I order 20, 30, 10 signed books? Now, here's a little thing that you probably already know. I've got, I think, four boxes of signed books because as soon as they turn up, I sign them all and they just sit there and then someone goes, can I get your book? And they get a signed copy, okay? But when I'm buying them off of an author at a show, I'm not paying the main mate, I'm paying the author rate. So I'm getting them cheaper and I'm getting them signed. So now you're getting a book signed by Gary Vee, Cameron Hill, Jim Quick, Steve Sims, whatever, And you're like, wow, he even got it signed for me. He must be really, really good buddies with him. Now, people I mentioned to you, I am, but I've also sent out a bunch of books from people that I'm not that tight with, but also sent me a bunch of signed books.
0: Ah, that is a great concept. I love that. And yeah, and and so it it associates you with them. It puts you near them in your mind and also shows, you know, well, and, and- it it doesn't necessarily put you above where you are, put you where you are, because you especially if you do know them or you know people like them, but I guess when thinking that way. Yep. And networking connections breed networking connections, which is yep. especially powerful. Now it, it sounds like some of some of what has helped you too is just the head bash through the brick wall sort of attitude. I mean, your book's called Go for Stupid, which sort of seems to be a like, I'm gonna do it and Screw you if you don't think I can. So talk a little about the, the, the mindset it takes, the energy for people who don't naturally have that approach. What, what, is, what does that take to be able to just say, oh, I'm just going to do it? Buckets.
1: Let's talk about buckets for a second. You stick a sponge in a bucket of water inherently and automatically it's just going to soak up all of that water. Mm-hmm. Okay. You stick that exact same sponge in a bucket of, of used old carb oil and is going to attempt to suck up all of that car oil, okay? As we are people, if we stick our head in a bucket full of negativity, depression, oppression, recession, distraction, distortion, we're soaking all of that up, that there'd be no room for anything else. Yeah, if we stick our head in a bucket full of positivity, what are we going to soak up? So you saying that these people can't do that, I'm saying that you're sticking your head in the wrong bucket. Mm. You've got to change your environment. Do you remember what I said about the tree? Yeah, yeah. You've got to change your location. You've got to change what you listen to. A friend of mine, Peter Diamandis, who launched the X Prize, he said to me, never watches the news in the morning. Some of the times he'll watch it at 5 o'clock at night, <clears throat> but if it's of importance, he'll get a text or something will pop up on his phone. Mm-hmm. But he never watches it because he wakes up in the morning, He's all pumped. It's a new day. The sun's shining. He lives well in Malibu. Everything's great. Turns the news on two hours of doom and gloom. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All of his optimism and positivity is now fighting against this distortion negativity. Mm. So why try to fight it? Ignore it. Don't listen to it. So, it's not a case of oh I can't do that it's a case of well, maybe you're in an environment that doesn't allow you to do that yeah you see here's something for you and I'll pick on you on this michael if i say to you okay you've got your podcast you've got your events, you've got your coaching what is your goal over the next 3 3 years and you give me your goal and then i say right michael we're going to do this we it sounds impossible. We're going to make it possible. We're going to make the, possi- <laughs> the impossible possible. Impossible stands for I'm possible. right? That's all very gritty, isn't it? It's like you're going into bloody war on a gladiator set. And <laughs> anything that rigid and fierce cracks and breaks. Mm. But one of the things I learned with all of the amazing people that I worked with all over the planet is that they have childish curiosity and they gamify everything. So if I said to you, Michael, what's your goal for the next three years and you give me your goal and I turn around and I go, is that it? Surely we should kind of like have some fun with this, Michael. What's, what's the stupid goal we can have? You like a car next year? Why don't we go for five? Now, here's the thing, and you're going to have to re-watch this. I want you to look at your face over those two examples. One of them had you a little bit cringy. The other one had you laughing and chuckling. Mm-hmm. When you laugh and chuckle, you become a child. Your nuance become creative. You explode with gamification. And it's not impossible because now it's a game. Now it's mm-hmm. a challenge. Now in my concierge days, I would have people going, hey, I want, I want to meet the rock band Journey backstage. And we'd be like, well, okay, I hear you, but how can we make that request stupid? How can we be really daft with this? How can we just make it laughable? We ended up sticking that client on stage with the band, and he's the shortest term lead singer of Journey, and he sang four tunes live on stage in San Diego. We had a client that wanted an amazing dining experience in Florence. We shut down the Academia de Galleria, set up a table of six at the feet of um, uh, um, David, and then uh, Michelangelo's David, and then brought Andrea Bocelli in to serenade him while he hits his main course. We take what you've asked. And make it stupid. Now, here's the thing. We're in a society today where we are merely fast to judge and very slow to listen. Mm. And people love laughing at each other. Not in a good way. And they want you to fail. Because most people in the planet have a poor mindset. Mm-hmm. And again, it's that location. If everyone around you is going, oh, you can't do that. You're never going to be able to grow up for Change your location. Get into a room where people go, is that it? You're really going to get the impact from that? I just expected more out of you. That's the room you need to be in. So in today's world, we actually try to push people. Now, I released Go For Stupid last year, last October. It became a bestseller. I think it's been – Bluefish got translated in nine languages and is a bestseller in each. Go for stupid. I think we're up to like four or five languages. We haven't completed all the languages yet. And we've hit bestseller, I think, in like three of those. We're giving it away for free at goforstupid.com. We don't get any hair products or the t shirt sales out of it. We're not trying to hit anyone up, but we want people to go for ridiculous goals because in today's world, we're actually laughing at people for the wrong reasons. Mm. We should be supporting, we should be challenging. And nine times out of 10, the downside of that is that you are the room you are in. Mm-hmm. So is it your location that's holding you back?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I love that. I was talking someone recently was talking about being afraid to get up and dance because you don't want to you know, look foolish. And, and you know the, the realization that some people slowly have is that no one's watching you dancing because they're too busy worrying about themselves. And then a lot of people like me and probably you, the ones we judge aren't the people dancing on the dance floor. It's the people sitting in the chairs who are afraid to get up.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm the first one to dance. When my wife starts kind of like tapping her toes, I'm like, let get it up. And you're right. Everyone's kind of like, there'll be those little murmurs. There's been those little giggles. And then there's the people there going, I want to get up as well. I really want to get up. I'm not going to miss out. I'm, my life is not being audited by you. Mm-hmm. so i'm gonna live it to my rules my standards and i'm gonna live it to the way that i want to and i think that's how you should live your life
0: yeah yeah and i i know i hang out in the right rooms because when i dance like a you know white guy people are like yeah go michael because yeah. they, they see I'm i'm giving it a shot you know people would rather watch someone dance with passion than sit in a chair and and say you yeah,
1: know miss out
0: wish i could wish i could so where can yeah you know, it's, it's easy to say find a better room. Yeah but and but you know if if someone's in a place where maybe their spouse is not supportive but you know they're not in a position you know they're they're married to them they're not going to leave them and you know maybe their family is not supportive or their their coworkers or you know people it's it it's not just go to a different room. It's not like you go down the hallway and there's you know destructive jerks and supportive nice guys and you're just like oh go to the supportive nice guys room. So if what would you say to someone who's who's it's more structural for them and it's not just find better friends? How can they surround themselves with better people when they when it's built around them?
1: Well, they're doing it now. They don't have to go down the corridor. They can start listening to podcasts. They can start reading books. They can join Facebook groups. I know for a lot of people, they are on in, they are in toxic environments. Well, look, be a certain way in that environment. And then when you're out of that environment and you're driving in the car, pick good podcasts, read good books, surround yourself with good, positive information. You will break free. I had a friend of mine, he was a, he's a client. And whenever he would come to my events, I had these events called speakeasies. And whenever he would come to the event, he would always wear the coolest sneakers that I've ever seen. And I'm not a sneaker guy, but I'd be like, they are cool. And he'd be like, oh, yeah, these are like this this Japanese brand, and they're like $1,200, and they're this. And, that. Every day, and like over three days, he'd wear like four different pairs of sneakers, okay? And he collected them. And then one day I was having a stopover in his city, and I said, hey, I've got a layover, so, you know, should we go out for a drink? He's like, well, I'm down at the pub with my mates. And I went, oh, I'll, I'll come down and join you. And he had these shitty pair of old scuffed-up Nikes on that literally had a hole on them. And I was like, what the hell are you doing? And I said, I, I never thought you would have worn anything. He's like, well, in this environment, I'm actually scared of wearing the good sneakers for fear of what my buddies will say. And I said, well, so you're telling me you're living your standards to them. And he was like, yeah. And I was like, well, if you want to do that, that's a slippery <laughs> slope down. So the following week, he turns up at this, this bar with his buddies, Where's one of his cool sneakers? And of course, all of his buddies are like, Whoa, look at it, like you got pink on him. And they gave him a bit of a ribbon. Following week, he wears a different pair of sneakers. And one of the guys turns around and says, Hey, you know, I hate my where do you get your sneakers from? And he started telling. Them. The third week, two of the guys are wearing decent sneakers see, the point is people want good standards, but somebody's got to be the first one to get on the dance floor. Mm. You may have a bunch of negativity around you, but they may actually be looking for someone to raise the standards of the room. Be those standards.
0: So, so it's not that people want the room to be negative. It's just that's how it is. And maybe they're waiting for someone. to. It's be always the, easy. It's always easy to be negative, isn't
1: it? It's the easiest thing in the world to rip people apart. It's the easiest thing in the world to be the, the naysayer. Mm. But when someone breaks out and has the strength to stand up, you'd be surprised at how many people go, Oh, I want to stand with you.
0: That is that is a very powerful point. So you don't necessarily need to leave your group of friends. You don't have to leave your family. Maybe yep. you just need to be the the example for them and they'll follow bingo that's extremely powerful and that i i can imagine that some positive effect will knock on from that
1: every time every time worst case scenario you'll realize that you've outgrown the room and you will naturally just move into a different room
0: Mm. that is that's really good yeah and and i i love that that go for stupid concept uh, because i think it's I think for a lot of people, if they think about, you know, I want to, you know, make another $20,000, that feels hard. Yeah. But if it's, I want to make another $200,000, that feels crazy. It's like, I actually just listening to Dan Sullivan's new book, 10X Better is Easier than 2X. Yeah. That that it's like, you know, I want to make 10% more money. Well, uh, maybe we'll do a different Facebook ad or whatever. Well, how are we going to make, how are we going to make a hundred percent more money? Oh, well, that's right, only one way we can do that. And that is pretty clear what to do.
1: And also, you got to realize that if you try to make twenty grand extra next year by going for a hundred grand and failing and making fifty, mm-hmm. you know, you failed up. Yeah, and and that's a big thing that you want to be focusing on.
0: Yeah, yeah, that that's that is really powerful. So this has been a fantastic conversation. I will definitely be be listening back to it because. Uh, all kinds of good. I mean, I expect it to be a fantastic conversation. It's Steve Sims, but uh, it's been everything I expected and more. Is there anything that you wish I had asked you that I did not ask you yet?
1: No, I think uh, I think we're good. I think, you there. you know, how could people follow me? Maybe I don't know. Well, no. I'm going to ask
0: that one. Yeah, I'm,
1: I'm sure you would. <laughs> you know, it's not your first rodeo. No, I, th- I think we had some good questions. I don't want to overload people, yep. but they've just got to start off by. You know, changing the room now in, and they can do that by listening to the podcasts and books.
0: Fantastic. So you did mention the, the goforstupid.com website yep. where they can get your book. Are there other ways that they can follow you?
1: Steve D. Sims. Don't forget the D in there for dashing, and it's only one M in Sims. So Steve D com. They can find out about the book and Sims Distillery, my community. Or they can go onto to Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, just type in Steve D. Sims and you'll find me. I suppose I'm most, I suppose I do most of the work on Instagram, but if you want to jump on Instagram, follow me and then send me a message. Just let me know that you'll heard me on this podcast. Awesome. And actually tell me a little bit about the, the Sims distillery. We, <laughs> I like going into masterminds mm-hmm. and I've spent a lot of money in masterminds. Some of them have been absolutely brilliant some of them have been great upsell opportunities for people to try and get me to buy the next level or the next, and it's been very annoying and very irritating but i wanted to create the room that i wish i had found when i was younger so i went around to a bunch of my friends and we said i said i want to set up that room i want to set up that mastermind so we get together three times a year at a live event and we get together every tuesday morning 9 till 10 where we have yeah, tech We go through authors, we go through expert hours, we go through hot seats. So I wanted to build a community that supported where, you know, your credit card running through wasn't the sole way that we would pick you and allow you to come into the group. So we have people apply, we vet them, we stalk them, and then we accept them or decline them. But Sims Distillery is is the, the room that I created
0: for my aggravation. Mm, oh, I love that. Yeah. That's kind of how I ended up making my my JV Connect networking event that I finally got fed up and I'm like, why isn't anyone doing it the way it should be done? There oh, you right. go. Why don't why I do that? Is that aggravation again? Yeah. Someone should do that. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's that guy. The guy with the gray beard. He should do it. So Awesome. Well, thank you so much. It's been such an honor and pleasure to to interview you and- I uh, thank you for sharing everything you have and not overwhelming, but well educating our audience. Thank you. Uh... Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us for the Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast. I'm Michael Whitehouse, the Guy Who Knows a Guy, and I hope you'll join us in December from the 12th to the 14th for JV Connect. Go to GuyWhoKnowsAGuy.com for more details. Now, if it's after December 2023 and you're listening to this, it's okay because we're going to be doing this event every quarter. So go to GuyWhoKnowsAGuy.com, see what's new, see what's happening, and, of course, check the show notes to learn about our guests and how you get in touch with them. Check out our next episode for more great training, information, and networking tips from Michael Whitehouse, the guy who knows a guy. JV Connect is coming up quick, December 12th and 13th. If you are looking for a networking event where you can meet people who aren't looking to just pitch you or take, but actually want to collaborate, build strategic partnerships, joint ventures, maybe even find some mentors, some coaches, people to support you, accountability partners, who knows? If you're looking for good people in an environment that's not stressful, but is set up to give you a lot of great connections in an efficient amount of time, check out JV Connect, -connect jv-connect.com. That's jv-connect.com, December 12th and 13th, 2023. We'll see you there.